Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, editor-in-chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Hi, I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News with ALM in New York City. And we are happy to be back with Law Technology Now after a hiatus while the Legal Talk Network was acquired by Logical, based in Denver and Los Angeles. We're happy to be here again. Uh, We have a wonderful program for you today. Our guest is Barkley Blair, who's also here in New York City. And Barkley was... Uh, just recently wrote his second article for Law Technology News that will be in our upcoming um, April issue called Bombs Away, Erasing Information in the Big Data Era. Uh, Barkley, welcome. And would you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Thank you. Thanks for having me today. So I run a boutique consulting firm that builds information governance programs for large organizations. So most of our clients are Companies who have a lot of information and have a lot of risk associated with that information, and they're trying to manage that risk down, and they're trying to extract value from that information, which I guess is, uh, in today's big data world, is kind of the holy grail. And big data is certainly the magic word. It, It sort of has become a real buzzword in the last six months. And we wrote a big package in our October issue, and you wrote an article there uh, for us as well, where we looked at privacy um, and how and some of the issues that were coming in terms of class actions. It was a a terrific program. And before we dive into my questions about your new article, I do want to remind our listeners that there are three ways to reach us as there were before. You can find us at the Legal Talk network at at no surprise at all legaltalknetwork.com you can find us at alm site lawtechnologynow.com and as i say because we're so cool we're always on the itunes library um barkley start off by telling us your story about the mythical aging hippie named jake <laughs> well i um like a lot of people in college, I had a lot of interesting jobs. And one of the jobs that I had was uh, as a house painter. And I worked for uh, a, a guy who, you know, in retrospect, is definitely a genuine character who, who I'll call Jake for the purposes of, of our story. He, he had a, a house painting business that he wanted to expand. So he came up with, uh, I think, the, the great idea that he needed to target market his services to heritage homes, to those homes that were, you know, big and expensive and also were clad with wood as they were, you know, the the most likely purchasers of his his painting services. So he realized that he could go down to the city hall and actually get his hands on uh property tax records which would tell him both the age of the property and and also its value. But when he went down to city hall, uh they told him there was two ways he could access the records. One was he could sit physically sit at the city's microfilm reader and actually go through the tax records, or he could pay thousands of dollars to um, purchase a digital database. Now, Joe didn't have the money to buy the, the database, and I don't think he would have bought it just on principle alone. So, <laughs> so uh, Jake, uh, uh, actually, for several days, he... Uh, stuffed his pants full of microfilm records and shuttled them back and forth from the city offices, 
he'd take him back to his office and uh, he bought a microfilm reader and he paid an intern to sit there and transcribe the record uh, into his own database, you know, thereby creating his own database that he could use to direct uh, market his services. And that, of course, raises a, the core of your article, which is, I guess, could probably be best summed up as when is public information kind of de facto private? Um, and it also reflects some of the changing roles of big data analytics. Um, tell us a little bit about the example that you used about the very recent tragedy in Connecticut um, that that spurns some unexpected consequences. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you look at the last 15 years, there has been uh, billions of dollars spent to move things to the internet, quote unquote, um, or to digitize business processes. <clears throat> One of the interesting side effects of that, I think, has been that information, which just practically speaking was difficult or or laborious to access, like Jake's property tax records, um, now has uh, the potential to be much more visible. So, you know, in the wake of the Sandy Hook shooting and the, and the tragedy there, <clears throat> you know, the newspaper, a local newspaper, uh, the Journal News, uh, published an interactive map that showed the names and addresses of handgun permit holders in, in the counties uh, uh, near where the shooting had taken place. So, you know, as you might imagine, this was very controversial and it, and it uh, you know, there was, in fact, you know, uh, death threats against members of the newspaper staff and the reporters. And they actually ended up hiring armed guards and some of the employees lived, went and lived in hotels for a time. And, and I found this uh, uh, fascinating in the sense that the information that the newspaper published was public information. It's by law required to be uh, available to the public. But what the newspaper did was made it much less obscure. They made it much more available. And in doing so, I think they, they, they created a, a different sense in, 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 the, in the people that uh, the information referred to. It, it made them feel violated somehow. It made them feel like it was a breach of their privacy. And I think this is a huge issue moving forward as we move forward in, in the big data world where, you know, all data is good, more data is better, and, and a big part of the millions of dollars pouring into the space is focused on, let's get that dark data surfaced, let's get access to it so we can do uh, smart things with it. And I, and I think, you know, this was an example of some of the perils that uh, attach to making, you know, previously obscure data uh, much more available, and, and in this case, you know, highly interactive and public. And then it got took an even stranger uh, 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 path when some local bloggers flipped it right back onto the newspaper. Tell tell us a little bit about what happened next. Yeah, so uh, there was a huge reaction from uh, you know many different corners, uh, you know, including handgun owners and, and one blogger who. Uh, you know, focuses on these issues, created a, a similar map showing where newspaper employees live. <laughs> and, you know, this, uh, you know, following that, some employees received death threats, and as I say, kind of uh, uh, felt unsafe. Now, you know, it was, uh, I suppose, a, a bit of a tit for tat. But but again, it, 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 
it demonstrated how this information, whether it's your address or your property tax records, uh, in Jake's case, or whether or not you own a handgun, we know that information is out there in some form. We know that in some cases is actually you know mandated by law that it's available. But when all of a sudden it's it's you know painted <clears throat> like a red dot on a map uh, in your neighborhood where you can actually, of course, use uh, satellite imagery to, <laughs> to look at your street in your house. Uh, you know, our, our perception of privacy and availability of data, uh, I think, really changes, and, and that's what happened here. And once again, this is the type of situation where there's both uh, good and bad, quote-unquote, if we're going to put values like that on it, uh, examples of how the intense analytics are now uh, having all these unexpected consequences as in addition to the, the expected ones. And we talked We've talked extensively about a, a book by Charles Duhigg, and Charles Duhigg was one of the keynote speakers at Legal Tech New York, um, who studied the role of habits in, in our society and the neurology of it and the social ramifications of it. And even, even things that are relatively benign can create, as you've explained, uh, uh, ramifications that people aren't aware of. If you, in your story, you talk about how much people might like being able to, for example, use the internet to figure out what's the best hotel room that they may have, um, and maybe giving people information um, every time they go and fill a prescription. And those, those, that kind of information can be helpful, but it can also cross over into into dangerous as well. Any other examples yeah. you can give us of that tension? Well, you know, if you're if you live in a major city in the US and I and I think even globally, you could use Google or another search engine to find, you know, meetings of people who are uh into what's called the quantified life. So this is a I don't know if you would call it a movement, but certainly it's a group of enthusiasts who believe that, you know, the secret to a better life is 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 actually collecting as much data as possible about who you are and what you do. So you know, there's various devices now that you can put on your wrist or in your shoe, or they're connected to your smartphone, and they can, you know, measure your heart rate, your sleeping patterns, uh, and I expect those devices to become more sophisticated. You know, glucose monitors for diabetics are becoming sort of app enabled. Um, so there's there's you know a, a movement towards uh, that you know data more data as opposed to suppositions about who we are and and what we actually do with our time can lead to greater clarity about uh, who we are and perhaps allow us to change things about our, uh, us that we don't like. I mean I I, I com you know compare that to you know the act of writing a diary. I mean I, I'm not. You know, you're a writer as well, Monica, and you probably, I don't know if you keep a diary, but, you know, it's always been an ambition of mine, but it's an ambition I've <laughs> rarely fulfilled, uh, you know, because you have the sense that if you kept a diary, you would, you could reflect on it and perhaps look for patterns in your behavior and correlate, you know, you felt good on this day, you didn't feel good on that day. Well, these technologies combined with just the fact that living our daily lives today, we leave this trail of data that you know, coalesced and put into some kind of context can be quite revealing. Now, that can be revealing 
for a, a purpose that we're in control of and is, you know, quote unquote good, or it can be, uh, you know, it can be controlled by uh, others and put into a context that was never intended. Barkley, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Protect your firm's email with AppRiver. Send confidential emails with confidence using AppRiver's CypherPost Pro email encryption service. With CypherPost Pro, you'll control who sees your messages, and a patented delivery slip will show you when they're received and opened. There's no hardware or software to manage. You can cancel any time, and you get a 30-day free trial. All backed by AppRiver's phenomenal care. Visit AppRiver.com, that's A-P-P-River.com, or call 866-223-4645. Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to PCLaw.com slash radio. That's PCLaw.com slash radio. Or call us at 800-685-2161 today. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Hi, I'm Monica Bay. We are back again with Barkley Blair. And uh, Barkley, I want to segue before we run out of time, because one of the most interesting things of your article that appears in our April edition of Law Technology News, which, by the way, if you want to read, you'll be able to see it at www.lawtechnews.com right on April 1st. And you talk in the article about the reemergence of some very interesting apps and technologies that cause words to disappear. Tell us a little bit about some of the trends and once again, the consequences and and perhaps the uh, unexpected consequences of, for example, uh, I can never pronounce this right, sexting um, (laughs) and uh, some new new, uh, um, apps that make pictures go away really fast, which the teenagers love. Yeah, so I think since computers have been around, there's been this concern that uh, around how do we get rid of digital information. On the one hand, it seems very easy. You drag that file to the trash and you empty the trash and you're done, right? Well, in any, you know, I would suspect most people listening today are aware that that actually doesn't delete a file. And so that can be good if you accidentally deleted something or it can be bad if you think something is gone, but it actually is still there and can be recovered using forensic techniques. Well, in the mobile world and in the social world, uh, with text messages and, and pictures going back and forth, um, that concern takes on kind of a new dimension. So there's there's a consumer app that's got a lot of attention in the in the sort of mainstream media uh, called Snapchat, which uh, is purportedly you know popular with teenagers as a new version of of a sexting tool. Now, what it allows uh, uh, communicators to do is to send uh, photos back and forth, not text messages, to send photos back and forth to communicate. But the key is you can send them with a self-destruct code. So the uh, the picture only lasts from, I think, about three seconds to 10 seconds. 
And after that 10 seconds, it's gone. So, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of uh, hand-wringing about uh, this kind of application and does it sort of encourage the kind of behavior we don't want teenagers involved in and so on. But, but underneath this, I think there's uh, kind of a fascinating discussion. And if you turn your attention to the enterprise, you'll see that there's actually several applications that have emerged in the last couple of years and I think are gaining steam, in my view, that are designed to offer exactly the same capability but for you know, email messages, text messages, and documents. So you know, the old, uh, this message will self-destruct in, in real life, but for electronic stuff. And, and the appeal of that is obvious on the one hand. The appeal is that you, know, you can control who sees what and when, and you don't have to worry about uh, your you know, confidential information getting into the wrong hands. I think there's a flip side of that, which is the risk. And you know, the clients that I talk to, they're concerned about the appearance of guilt just by using such technology. So, you know, in other words, being standing in court and being asked, well, you know, what did you have to hide? Why did you use such technologies? Perhaps as these technologies become more mainstream and widespread, that concern will diminish. But I, but I hear that from my clients today. And it also would seem that, that I remember when Disappearing Inc. first came out a while back, and it sort of faded into oblivion, but there seemed to be a genuine interest in products that, in terms of client confidentiality, could could have, you know, it's like the mission impossible. This, this thing will explode in 30 seconds. We are running out of time. Before we uh, sum up, would you please let our listeners know how they could reach out to you if they have questions for you? The best way to reach me is on my blog uh, where I write about these and other issues, which is just my name, BarkleyTBlair.com. You can find me there and you can find uh, uh, thoughts on these and other uh, developments in the market. And if you have one last piece of advice for our listeners, what would it be? Well, I I think it's to uh, move carefully. (laughs) You know, I think that um, we are moving into a world where uh, data is going to become more visible, and that creates all kinds of you know exciting business opportunities. But it also comes with risks. So, um, being aware of kind of that creepy factor, you know, in the case of the the uh, the handgun permit records uh, uh, after Sandy Hook, there, no law was broken, but it did cross some kind of a line, clearly based on the response that that uh, the newspaper got. So you have to, you know, it's not just about the law. It's just not about the technology. It's about understanding the context of what you're doing uh, in your business. Well, I want to thank all of you for listening again. It's great to be back at Law Technology Now. Remind you that there are three ways to catch up with us. One is at LegalTalkNetwork.com. That's www.LegalTalkNetwork.com. The ALM site is www.LawTechnologyNow.com. And on iTunes, want to shout out, as always, to our team. In Denver, Kiyoki Trask, our producer, and Trent Carlisle, the CTO. In Los Angeles, CEO Adam Camrus. In New York, our producer, Charles Gardner. My boss, executive editor and vice president, David Brown, and our, our CMO, Lenny Izzo. Um, and to remind you, as always, that there is no crying in technology or baseball. And April 1st is opening day. We're all excited. And to wish you well, this is Monica Bay, and we'll see you at the next edition of Law Technology Now. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.